think that the culture has to change too from the sleep when you're dead to the take care of your personnel while you can before they get so burnt out that they leave. Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information, and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I am your host, Hussein Jabai, and this is RIT Team Radio. Episode four of RIT Team Radio, where we're going to take a look at the wellness initiative of a fire department out toward the east of the U.S., where they're driving this initiative, looking at sleep and recovery, kind of the stepping stones of trying to embrace the aspect of wellness but taking the first initial step of observing their department and then finding interventions, finding ways to implement solutions. So I want to welcome Kathleen Hoff to the podcast. She'll briefly introduce herself and then we'll get rolling with the questions. Hey, Hussein, thanks. Um, so I have been with the fire department now for almost 11 years. Um, I'm a master firefighter and a hazmat specialist now. Uh, before the fire department, though, I did some some other stuff. So I was a personal trainer for a little bit. I was a massage therapist for a little bit. And I've been in kind of the world, um, like, all different ways, powerlifting a little bit, bodybuilding a little bit, running a little bit, CrossFit a little bit. So uh, from an athletic standpoint, had every injury. And um, now it's nice to be part of a group of essentially elite athletes career athletes right so that's what that's what we do Heck yeah and that's uh it, it was interesting last podcast um ryan and i ryan ryan from from peak uh or firefighter peak performance we we're talking about the title of tactical athlete and it was interesting uh -huh. even it, being at different departments and and transitioning from tactical operator and then saying tactical athlete it just mm -hmm. changes the perspective people go but athletes need to hydrate athletes need to stretch and warm up and prepare and oh no yes. athletes need to train so it just changes the perspective for some reason throwing athlete on there it says oh we need to take care of ourselves that right? was like the best thing we did for our department was be like hey you guys are tactical athletes we're going to track you and they were like oh no now we really have to it's a new level of responsibility and uh yeah it's just, it's just something mentality wise, something in that, That's that it. aspect. And, and it's been a pro and con. It's been back and forth of whether using that title or not. And I, I think regardless of someone's perspective, if they want to say athlete or not, just giving the title of athlete changes the mentality. So if we can, if we can throw that on, on everyone's title and everyone thinks the same thing, cause everyone needs to hydrate and, and fuel themselves and, and so yeah. forth. So um, that that's an interesting perspective, but with, I, I guess with having fitness and wellness and exercise science background, and then diving into and, and being within the fire and rescue community for a period of time, did your background one kind of assist that observation going, Hey, we need to be doing something different or did it, did it assist kind of your process and observation and perspective? Cause at some point, especially driving this initiative, um, since uh, you were the one that, and we'll talk about here in a second, that reached out and said, hey, we we want to do this. We want to start this project. Did your background kind of tie into that? Did At what point did you say we need change, right? Like we need yeah. to take this next step. Yeah. So with all the different things I've done over the years, and granted, I am getting older, which does change things, but you can be easy on your body or you can be hard on your body. And um doing a bunch of different things. I think jujitsu was originally how I started wearing a whoop because uh, you can't wear watches and whoop is flexible. You can wear it in a sports bra or in an arm sleeve or whatever. Um, but it was eye opening for me because as a young person, you're like, oh, just walk it off. You'll just like sleep when you're dead, which is a big time fire service um, motto, right? Sleep when you're dead. That's great if we're all going to be really tough guys, but in the real world where we're tactical athletes, there is a requirement for rest and recovery. So I noticed like I was starting to have injuries. I started to feel burnt out without put, being able to put a label on it. I felt burnt out. So it was intuitive a little bit as I started tracking this stuff with whoop. I was like, you know, 
something feels off about this. So as I tracked it, I said, and started to sleep more and recover better and pay attention to the little details of my life that were making a difference um, that I knew intuitively, but didn't admit to myself. I said, this is life-changing. I made a couple life-changing small um, moves in my habits and it was revolutionary for me. And I was like, everybody should be doing this because I know I'm not the only person who is suffering from injuries or feels burnt out that, that like um, malaise with mid level career, right? 10, 11 years in halfway through, what am I doing with my life? That's not necessarily that I don't love the career. It was, it's burnout. Yeah. So, and, and, and to add to that, right? Like you intuitively said something needs to change and some people go one of two routes, right? Like accepts the nature and, and that is too too common where no matter what industry we see in, in, in the fire service, but we see no matter what the occupation is, is you get used to a energy level or to a health level. And we say, no, I feel fine. I feel normal. Uh-huh. I, I, feel, I feel normal. It's a normal day for me, <laughs> even though your recovery level is, and we'll talk about recovery levels and so forth. But even if my recovery is half, like 50% or so forth, even just subjectively, like you're just not as recovered. But if you do that day after day, that feels normal to you, even if it's, it's not new reco- uh, recovered. And so for yeah. you to go, okay, yes, you know, maybe day after day, you kind of felt, you know, it was normal for a period of time. But at some point, you know, you went one of two paths and you said, hey, this isn't for me. Like I, I have to figure something out. And if I'm feeling this way, then others are too. So you're able to kind exactly. of take that next step. Exactly. It was like new normal. And then I was like, I'm too young to feel like this is a new normal. You know, I shouldn't be this tired all the time or like this injured all the time. And yeah, yeah and it did make a huge difference in just the little habits. But I know, and I know we're going to talk about this in a second for, for every person I've said, Hey, you should try this. It's made a difference. So that's awesome. So with that self-perception and, and just understanding that you yourself made that change, you said, for, I mean, it always starts with either seeing or feeling is where you get the most perspective and go, something needs to change. And then you took the initiative to do that for yourself. Wasn't even part of the project. It was just, I just, I'm tired of being tired. Like I just want to do something and feel better. So you're Mm -hmm. able to uh, apply whoop just into your daily life and, and so forth. And then at what point did it transition from kind of your day to day to going, maybe there's something we can do within our department. Maybe there's something we can add. How can I help the uh, profession? How can I help the community as a whole? What what was kind of that transition process? And then how did, because you ended up reaching out to me through a contact form uh, on, on our webpage. But what led to that? Like to be able to get to that point, there was kind of a a, a mentality of needing to do that search and then actually briefly knowing what you're looking for. You're not just, you don't just type in help in Google search and then it just kind of pops up, right? You're, you were strategically looking for something. So kind of walk us through mm-hmm. that, that mentality process. Yeah. It's a cool story that I can't really take credit for the whole thing. So the, one of the black belts in jujitsu was like, Hey, you don't eat enough. You don't rest enough. You should try this whoop. And he's like, you'd be surprised how much you're actually doing if you tracked it. Because I, I always think this mentality, like I'm not doing enough, which is, I'm, in my opinion, my intuitive opinion, brain damage from the fire service. Because that is what everything is never enough, right? Always more, 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 more. Um, so he said, wear it. I did that. I can't take credit for finding Whoop on my own because that was 100% his suggestion. Um, I do everything wholeheartedly. So as I started to track stuff and I'm always open to being wrong, I realized that he was right. I'm doing way more than I thought, not recovering enough, not eating enough, things like that. Um, and cause the calorie tracker does, that does make a difference, I think for folks. Um, and then as I wore it, I was maybe six months in. And like I said, I had gone from really mediocre, not great recovery, like every day to slight changes, you know, sunlight, whatever, not eating close to bed, things just like little things. And in six months, my recovery was green, solid green through the summer, for the most part, 
you know, coming off shift, it would be bad, but I was doing trending up, doing a lot better. And I said to a friend of mine in the department, I do have a lot of friends in the department now after 11 years, I was like, you know, I wish everyone would get one of these things. Like I keep telling people about it, but I wish everyone would get one. And he's like, why don't you pitch it? So that was the second thing I can't take credit for. Why don't you pitch it? I was like, are you serious? You think they'd buy that? He's like, yeah, pitch it. So I called the safety captain because that seems like the right branch, health and safety. He was super supportive and he's like, write it up, official, write it up, do the research, find how we can do it. Initially, the idea was to get a few whoops and I was going to analyze the data which is laughable now, right? <laughs> yeah. Now just, just being on, on the other side where, um, and, and, you know, we've talked back and forth and then, uh, including our research team and so forth. And just with, with Dr. Oldham's collaboration, like there's, there's so much more that goes into that. And, and now we, it was a learning process for me learning process for everyone, but that's where going, okay, this is, the perspective now, so kind of walk through, that's kind of how the vision started and then kind of how it's, it's, it's transitioned just with the initial, okay, a couple of whoop straps, you're going to be the one to like crunch all the numbers <laughs> and analyze it on, I don't know what platform, right? Like just, just like hold the numbers, and, right? So it's, uh, I guess kind of walk us through that, that transition. Yeah, so I did some research on other fire departments who had done recovery study type things, right? There was mostly on the West Coast. The East Coast is obviously um, a step maybe behind. The West Coast usually starts the change. So they had done some stuff on the West Coast, read some of these things, and then somehow I found you guys associated with one of them, right? So there was like a button on the website that said click here if you want more information and I was like well that is what I want so I clicked on it got in touch with you after we talked a little bit um, I realized it was a way better idea to collaborate with a, a respected university and have actual researchers who do that as a job like professionals um, analyze the data and then and then as it grew so I went back and I pitched it um, and we got the money idea as it grew it really grew from like six to 12 whoops to 50 was what we got approved for. Um, meaningful, I think, because that's, we have about 350 people in the department and that's not all floor personnel, maybe three, three to 325 floor personnel. That's a pretty big proportion of the people who are on the floor. So, so that was a big deal. And we did get to, um, the chief approved it. Everybody was on board, got the money set, got with you guys um, and have a good relationship with Whoop now. And I think what did we went live like February 20th. So after a little bit of yeah, kind of there's working a out kinks. Pretty, pretty quick. I say pretty quick turn, turn around. Like in, in the beginning it was, okay, let's kind of get the ball started. And it, it was kind of in the air, right? And And mm -hmm. I want to add kind of the segment where, uh, I can't advise enough those that are listening and like you want to make information um, accessible by people. Uh, the the article in itself talked about our research, but literally just added a button at the bottom. It was like, if you want to do research, if you if you want to start anything, like click this. And it was a big button on the bottom. And so <laughs> and then my initial response, because it wasn't too long after I had posted it up was. I got an email. It was like contact form. And sometimes it's spam. Sometimes it's not just, just cool background story, I guess. And the email came across and I was like, I don't know who this is, but they completed the research contact form. I was like, okay, someone wants to start research, right? It's, <laughs> it's been a while we had started up research, but not on a scale where people were reaching out to us and saying, Hey, let's do this study, that study and so forth. And, you know, it, called, it was specific XML firefighters, this is what we want to do. And it, it was broad, but specific in nature, right? Like it was still, you had the idea, you were just pitching it our way pretty much. And mm -hmm. my, at first it was, okay, let's set up a Zoom call that, cause that's how you get everything done. You can go back and forth mm -hmm. with emails, but you want to get something done. It's, it's, let's jump on a call. Let's meet in person, face to face, preferably just in this circumstance. It, it there there wasn't just a, a flight trip, you know, the next day, right? So Zoom call. 
And then one of my questions in, in us meeting was, okay, how did you find the article? And then like, what was kind of that process of, of, of reaching out? And so that just comes to show when you do conduct research, but anytime you start an initiative, anytime you start a project or a process, there's a difference in like gloating about, hey, look at us, you know, we're, we're the best, this is everything to just spreading awareness and spreading education and saying, hey, we're doing research and this is why. And that others can do it too, like the research we're doing and, and how we're collaborating. Other entities can do that. It's not where, hey, look at us, we're the only ones doing it. It's just, this is what we're doing and this is how you can incorporate it and can involve it. And that's the purpose of this, this podcast episode too, is just sharing that. And so not enough people just share what they're doing so others can learn. Most people try and keep it kind of, you know, secretive. So it's just theirs, but... I, I think uh, the best thing is sharing what you're doing from the perspective so others can learn and you're just building more value within the fire service and just when within the education setting, within academics, within research, like you're just building value. So it goes a lot, it goes beyond just yourself. So just a tidbit, I guess, advice for for putting information out there. And research has so much more weight when it's when there's more of it, right? That's the whole yeah. point of 50 people, people being better than the 12 people we originally started with. 50 means that data is more, it's less, it's more statistical sturdy, right? significance or it's, something. It's exactly. Big words. Research yeah. or stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and forgive me, those that are, <laughs> I don't want to say true researchers, but in the, been in the game longer, you know, don't. Don't, don't judge us too much with our terminology, but, uh, but yeah, it holds more weight having just all in all, if you have more, yeah. if you have a, a bigger, better picture, it, it, it tells you a lot more. And, um, let's, so with that, let's tie into what is the overall process kind of, what are we looking at? What are the metrics we're looking at? How are we, um, what are we observing kind of how, yeah. the whoop straps were distributed out and, and so forth. Let's kind of walk through that. Yeah. So um, I do have a good, pretty basic understanding of most of the people on the floor in our department. We do have a lot of new folks coming kind of all the time, but basically we went by um, station shift and just saw, cause we have some really busy stations and we have some really, really slow stations. Um, well, first we put, we put out an email. Hey, are you interested? Super vague. Like we like to do things like that. Really vague. If you're interested in being studied, email back. It was like, uh, and everyone big. responded. No, and like no one responded, yeah. right? Everybody's like, what are these creepy people talking about? We don't want to do that. But so I start. people know me. I started spreading the word a little bit and they're like, oh, okay. All right. So then people are on board. Hey, wear one of these things. <clears throat> um, and I did get initially when I put it out, you have, I had a wave of people who were interested. Oh man, I really want anything that has to do with health and improving health. I'm really interested. Um, so that was my first 25 people off the bat. And then, um, you know, it was kind of like, you have to convince some folks that it's not like the government trying to like big brother trying to spy on their lives. And then they're really interested too, when it comes down to it. So I actually, in the end had, I think a hundred volunteers ish, 98, 101, something like that for the 50 spots. And we narrowed them down by station shift so that we could have a representative sample of kind of busy houses and slow houses. Um, it just happened that it gets in the water and like an entire station shift would volunteer and not a single person from B shift on that station would volunteer. Like all of A shift volunteered, none of B shift volunteered. Yeah, sometimes. But I think because, like you mentioned, it was on a. It was still at the end of the day, it was on a voluntary basis, right? Yeah, so correct. even if you wanted every station and then every shift represented, it still even if personnel from that shift didn't volunteer, then there wasn't, you could say, you could say, please all you want, but it was still from a voluntary perspective. So it was, it's yeah. the best picture possible from a voluntary standpoint. And, and um, you know, I, I was impressed and I know you, you as well, just kind of how that developed and how um, the straps were able to be distributed across. And uh, I like the aspect of bringing up um, where you mentioned, you know, there are some busy stations and slower stations and being able to try and get 
a true picture. You don't want to just put all the straps just at one, the slower on either ends of the spectrum, because you get a false representation of just the overall process, no matter what station you're at. Um, and, and you can kind of walk through or mention how sometimes maybe earlier on in your career, you might start at a busier station. And then toward the end of your career, after many years becoming a seasoned professional, you might drift to a slower station. So it, it's not, you don't just stay in that same, uh, not, not mentality perspective, but, but strain, like the overall strain differs sure. depending on where you're at. And I think that it differs over time as well, just like I was telling you with the burnout thing. That's just my opinion. It's not research, but but it actually, the way it worked out with folks volunteering was it, it couldn't have been more of a dream. The entire project beginning to end has been an absolute dream. Like when I asked for volunteers and people started volunteering, I looked at the spread and it was, um, I would say patchy because there were like certain station shifts that didn't get a single person involved. But like every station had a solid representation and we had enough people to choose from that it was perfectly proportional to kind of how many folks are at that station. So in the really big houses, we have like 12 to 15 people in a firehouse. We got a lot of people from those houses and in the study and it, it we had a lot of females, we got enough officers, we have enough minorities, like every population that you would want represented is represented perfectly it happened totally organically i didn't have to beg or plead or borrow um and people are now that we're up and running right they're they're super enthusiastic like like for the first month anytime i would go into a station i would hear them talking about it they still yesterday we played pickleball on duty and still one of the guys who's in the study was like i'm totally beating this other guy in strain today i'm gonna beat him we're gonna play pickleball till i do they're just stoked about it so yeah i know that's awesome so and even with that mentioning i'm gonna beat your strain for the day so that ties in what metrics we're looking at right and strain being one of those so um with it being a more sleep and recovery type of study i feel like that is such an umbrella like just shell of what it really is comprised of right there's so Mm -hmm. much more that we're looking at it's not just sleep and recovery recovery is so broad so Mm -hmm. kind of mention whether you know uh, talking about specifically like hrv and these different uh, metrics that we're looking at if you want to kind of uh, talk about each one of them um, what they are what they mean just just briefly just very general uh, definitions and so forth and then we'll kind of navigate that way Yep. Kind of like I told the folks when they came in because for the info sessions, basically the what I think is most valuable about WHOOP is the heart rate variability tracking. But it because it does that the best out of any tracker, biodata tracker that's like a wearable. Um, but it also tells us a lot more about like long range health, longevity, uh, being free of disease in, in um, you know, 20 years out versus like right now. Uh, so we expect like with whoop strain would be basically how much cardiovascular load you take on every day. It's expected that it changes every day. If you had it the same every day, that would be strange, right? You should have kind of days that are harder and days that are less hard. Um, and then recovery is kind of the same, right? So sleep, obviously it's going to track sleep. And I think they did, they wrote an article and said, they did a study in Arizona someplace at a university where in a sleep lab where they connected them to the EEG and the whole thing. And they wore a whoop and the sleep was almost exactly mirrored by whoop from the actual sleep study. So as far as, again, bio data tracker goes, um, whoops where it's at for sleep. Um, so sleep pretty straightforward, but everybody that I talked to in the beginning was like, well, you don't want to track me. I don't sleep. And I was like, no, it's exactly why I want to track you. Every person said the same thing. So that can be illuminating on its own. Um, and then recovery is like a, it's like an algorithm of other things, right? So, um, how, how much sleep you get, the efficiency of your sleep, your HRV at the certain point of the night, when it's the highest, they measure the highest five minutes or whatever. Um, and together, I think those things give a really illuminating picture of sort of how you're doing now, not in a snapshot one day, but 
as a trend over time, which is why it was a big deal that we also got approved to do the study for 365 days for the entire year, right? That was a big deal. I asked folks, because WHOOP does have the journal um, feature, I asked folks if they wanted to contribute. So Texas A&M is doing sleep strain recovery and then shift and piece assignment, yeah. essentially. So are you on an engine, a ladder, um, a medic unit, and then how that looks for accumulating strain and impacting recovery, and then our four-day breaks. And then I asked folks to track like uh, alcohol, caffeine, sick, injured, things like that in the journal if they wanted to send it to me and I'll um, aggregate data basically for them at the end. So that's like kind of a informal thing. Yeah, so in multiple segments to that, the first one talking about, yes, it shows semi a snapshot in the moment when you wake up and you pull up the app and so forth, right? And that's, yes, it gives you a better perspective. Those that are listening that are familiar with Whoop, fantastic, then, then you're already ahead of the game. Those that aren't familiar with Whoop, um, as you're wearing, uh, wearing the device, right? Day after day, you pull up the app and it'll give you anything from a readiness score, or recovery score. Um, throughout the day, you uh, you accumulate, like um, Kat had mentioned, you accumulate strain over time. And think of the, uh, think about that as like the stress. So it's usually referred to as like how high your heart rate is and for how long. And so just that accumulated stress. And so you can see that in, in real time, whether you're tracking your activities and, and so forth. So it, it allows you to engage throughout the day. Um, and then looking at HRV. So think of HRV. Uh, we usually, the best way that Cass probably heard this a thousand times and, and has said <laughs> it this way a thousand times, we think of HRV um, or when we think of beats per minute, we, we think 60 beats per minute. It's every uh, second on the second, right? Well, and HRV, right, is uh, depending on the interval, it could be every 0.8 of a second. It could be 1.2. And right, you have these difference in intervals. Uh, and then that accumulates to be 60, be, uh, 60 beats per minute, but it's not initially everyone on, you know, if, if there's a, a beat every time, you know, per second, there's not much interval, there's not much differences. So your HRV is actually going to be relatively low, low, right? And yeah. so, because we think our system becomes regimented and any kind of stress, any kind of strain kind of pushes that out of whack. And then we fight for homeostasis, we fight to for balance. And so we're having to fight harder to maintain that regiment. But if we have interval and then we have, you know, a stressor, then we're a little bit more resilient to overcoming stress. So that's kind of the ideology behind HRV. And what I liked about what you brought up was the trends, observing trends. And it's not, hey, you woke up with a recovery of 20%. Oh no, I can't do anything. I'm gonna die tomorrow. Like 20% yeah. is horrible, right? I, I've woken up full disclosure and, and, and all of us have talked about it. Uh, especially when we were out there, was I woken up with 1%, right? <laughs> and it was the morning of uh, the national mm. presentation that that we had done. And you just powered through it, right? For mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. I knew that next day, I was like, all right, I first of all, I have to beat one and in a positive way. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. trying to go the opposite way, but I was trying to, I knew I needed to focus on my recovery because the day before was not great. And so- kind of go into the the trend aspect, right? When you said a positive trend, you want to make positive change. Uh, I guess kind of introduce that idea of observing recovery over time or HRV over time. Yeah, and so before I do that really quick, the HRV thing I think was um, illuminating again for me because it is a representation of like autonomic nervous system tone, right? So, and I kind of, we explained that to them, but I know it's a concept that can be hard to grasp, but basically sympathetic, parasympathetic, they're always battling each other. You want that big swing, pendulum swing between the two. That's what shows us that our autonomic nervous system is like prepared, right? To go either way. Um, it's like having agility kind of in the system, right? And the big heart rate variability is where you see that agility. So we're just looking at the autonomic nervous system tone through the heartbeat, That's, um, essentially HRV. So that was important for me again, because I didn't realize that I was burnt out when I started this whole thing, like uh, whenever 
a year and a half ago or whatever. And that was part of how I realized it as I started to get, because anytime a firefighter sees numbers, they're like, I'm going to improve these numbers. Right. So I saw it and tried to make it better. I did make it better. And then I realized that I was feeling better mentally, uh, psychologically, like not as, um, not as much malaise. I wasn't as disappointed in the department all the time or as fed up with going to work, whatever it was, I was happier. And so then I thought, well, probably this was a recovery issue. The HRV is a reflection. Um, I do think some other folks have had that same experience. So as far as what it's tracking, um, like I said, I made some easy changes. I've had some other folks already tell me. I, a matter of fact, they, people text me all the time. One guy said, I started taping my mouth shut at night, which is a thing, right? You uh, nose breathe instead of mouth breathing. And I'm into all these things. So I read the stuff. They know it's all, I'm out there and they text me about the stuff. And he's like, you'd be shocked. My HRV was so high. My recovery was so high just from taping my mouth shut. And I was like, that's cool. Keep me in the loop, right? Because any little thing we can do, that's such a small change that, that to improve recovery. So I love that... Um, firefighters again type a will will try anything they'll just they'll just try anything they have ice bath at station 11 now that's what they do to improve their recovery that's what yeah, they said that's trying to find that intervention yeah. that allows you yeah. to, to progress forward yeah exactly yep yeah so i like the fact that personnel are taking it into their own own hands to be able to implement right when we talk about interventions we talk about applying remedies we talk about solutions and personnel are trying to figure that out um you know it it may uh be the perspective of utilizing tape and taping their mouths it might be ice baths there's there's plenty of uh potential solutions or remedies that that people are trying out and it's universal right and uh, it was interesting that you said that because not too long ago um, just scrolling through through Facebook, I saw, I think it, I'm not endorsing anybody. I'll say that first and foremost, but I want to say it was called hostage tape. And their yeah. whole brand is literally tape to tape your mouth shut. Like yeah. that's that's the whole branding behind it. That's um, it. So it's yep. interesting. And and I'm not pushing everyone to go out there and, and make sure no one can, everyone's lips are sealed when they go to bed. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that there are, uh, potential re remedies out there. And I like the fact that personnel are taking that, um, that initiative. What has it looked like? And and I know I want to do a, a follow up in the next couple of months, and let's just kind of follow this project, follow this process. Uh, but so far, what did, and you mentioned this briefly in the beginning, and, and uh, not too long ago, where we talked about personnel reaching out, asking questions or telling you, hey, I'm going to beat someone's strain score. Um, so kind of mention um, how like personnel have kind of uh, utilized this process, utilized you as a resource, uh, but then also, you know, that that competitive nature that exists within not just the fire service, just within the tactical community in general, there's this sense <laughs> of competition. Uh, yeah. And so, of course, and when we went out there and we went through the onboarding process we're like all right guys like we understand this is probably where it's gonna go we're gonna close our ears we're gonna give you the information and we're gonna guide you as best as possible and already people were making teams and saying we're gonna mm -hmm. feed in this and the other mm -hmm. right so uh we, it was bound to happen but uh, mm -hmm. i guess kind of walk us through how personnel have taken it upon themselves to find resources, do research, reach out to you, and then implement things that are going to help them, not just with the physical activity part, but then also that recovery and sleep hygiene. Definitely. Yeah. So a couple, I have like actually a few thoughts here. The number one cool thing was it isn't just folks who um, got in the study. Those folks talked about it enough and got excited about it enough that then we had a bunch more, like maybe 10 or 15 more people on top of that, go out and buy their own whoops. So I have a group in there for the entire department and everybody's in it. So we can all see each other's stuff and compete. Um, and it, there is a level of competition, but there's also like, like 6C will now work out together as a group, right? Because a couple of them bought it on their own and then a couple of them are part of the study and they are really into seeing like strain. Um, 
I think it helps. This is anecdotal and my opinion, but I think it helps us look out for each other a little better. Like, like medic six takes maybe a couple more calls for medic 601 because they know it's their night to be trashed. And then somebody else might get a little bit of recovery, you know, so that they're, everybody's not getting hammered all the time. Um, I do know one guy called me up, good friend of mine actually, and was like, this thing changed my life. I stopped working overtime completely. And he sleeps like nine hours a night now. It's cr- I was like, you are some sleeping dudes. When I looked at the sleep thing in the group and there's like nine and 10 hours every night. I'm like, who has time for that? Because even though I'm doing better, I'm not doing that well. But so that's something that people have said, no, when I realized how much of a difference sleeping made, I just stopped working overtime so that I could have those days off to recover. Um, so that's another way. I also had some females come to me who I don't think uh, females in the fire service are, or maybe tactical uh, arenas are even more special, I think, than men because they have this <laughs> whoa, really. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just like, <laughs> bold even statement. I see it thrown out there, <laughs> I but know, no, right? I, I see where you're going. Go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to back it up with, with <laughs> this now. My, again, my professional opinion yeah. because men are like sleep when you're dead, super tough guy, right? But women have to take that even a step further because the smallest sign of weakness is like, oh, well, you're just a girl or it's because you're a female or whatever it is, right? So the, the females who reached out to me privately, like in, um, in confidence, were like, you know, I can't say anything to the guys, but I feel like this affects me. I feel like my hormones are messed up and this and this. And I ended up kind of referring them. I mean, I gave them some literature to read, but kind of referring them like to see a doctor maybe or to get blood work drawn or things like that, that or things that have helped me meditation, um, de-stress because stress does have an effect. Cortisol does have an effect on hormones. And that is something that I went through too. And was like, I feel like this isn't right. So as a resource, obviously I'm don't know, I'm not a professional, anything except firefighter. So I'm <laughs> right. And so I always refer them out to some other professional, but I think that, that they've followed up because they're serious about it. And people are making changes and seeing strides. Um, yeah. I, and, and, you know, I want to add to that where from it, we don't, and I say this, I'm, I'm not in, I'm not specifically an operator, so I'm, I'm not going through the same battles. Right. But like society and people in general, from a physician and medical attention, it, it's been not talked about enough, not that you have to share your medical history, not that you have to go to the perspective of sharing everything with with everyone, but reaching out for the appropriate resources. And I like the fact that uh, doing this project and then uh, implementing uh, the things they receive or kind of what they see with the Whoop app and, and how that ties into their daily life and being able to associate that to a medical side, being able to associate that with potential uh, hormone regulation and and so forth. Like I like that aspect where it's not just, again, it's not just physical activity. It's not just sleep. Yeah. There's a bigger picture right. to it. Yeah. And the fact that personnel are reaching out to you going, there could be more that I need to look at. And then you doing a great job where, okay, this is not my scope of practice, but I can recommend you go to your physician, your medical professional. Like that's the, that's the right approach. And those that want to sit there and I do this. I said the same thing when I was out there. And, and when I talked to you and every other professional where if I'm not, if you ask me a question, it's not within my realm. Like I'm going to refer you out. Like that's the best. Yeah. When we talk about best practice, you're referring them out to, and you might not have the designated person to send them to, but you just know one, I'm not the person I, I don't have that experience, that qualification and so forth but it'd be doing you a disservice to guide you in the wrong direction. And so being able to implement yeah. saying, Hey, you, you might want to reach out to your doctor. Yes. That within, let's say the app within the trends you've been seeing within this that, or the other, those are red flags uh, for just say health markers in general. I don't really know what that means. I don't really know how that ties into more than just this, that, and the other, 
but it, it calls for a conversation with a medical professional. And so being able to navigate that and the fact that people do reach out to you, whether it's not, you know, not everything has to be, hey, everyone know what's going on with me. Let me ask, you know, this question that that doesn't need to too much is is can be either held against you or, or whatever it might be. But having that trust and having that that built value where people are individually reaching out to you goes a long way. And it, it just shows you as more of a resource than just, hey, here's whoop straps, everyone. It's like now you still have and the trust is more than just just because you gave people whoop straps doesn't mean that's where the trust came from. They're like, oh, no. I trust you. You gave us things like that's not yeah. you know, no, it's who I'm, you I'm... were and what you did before <laughs> before the whoop strap. Yeah. I'm mama hen. I'm yeah. babysitting all these baby hen, uh, chicks while they waddle around the lawn, picking up whatever specks of food. But um, I'm also best, kind of a best, warm... best analogy. Okay. Yeah, that's how I picture it. And it is like I'm trying to herd them in. No, come back here, and they all kind of like go one way and go the other way. But um, I'm a warm, fuzzy person anyway. So I think, and in the initial stages of this project, I hid behind the safety captain and the deputy chief because I did not want the um it was an interesting tipping point I, I was thinking of it while you were talking um it was an interesting tipping point between everybody being like I'm not interested in looking at myself at all a lot of people said I don't want to know I'd rather not know like ignorance is bliss to which I'm like no ignorance is killing you it's not bliss but okay and then finally it got to the point where enough people were like well maybe we could learn something from it and when it tipped over it was like a cascade of folks who were like yeah yeah just kidding we want to know eyes wide open like everything that's going on um but I hid behind them in the beginning to avoid that negative fallout and then once it got rolling we're we're sprinting we're off to the races with it now and people are very enthusiastic and nobody has anything really hateful to say. At least they're not saying it to my face. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's there's not really anything you can say. You're provided one, it's voluntary. So if you're you're hating on 100%. it and you didn't volunteer for it, then yeah. That's, yeah, that's perfectly <laughs> fine. But two, yeah. it, it's a resource for you. Do what you want with it. I mean, it's helping drive decisions based on just what the profession the job is is doing to you as individuals and then mm -hmm. in turn collectively as an agency and then therefore affecting the community so it 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 paints such a bold picture i i mean i don't see how you can talk negatively about it um especially if you're volunteering right uh but you <laughs> right, 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 those, right. Those folks definitely um, didn't. But but to tie I guess um let's kind of end with this question and, and kind of alluding to we'll kind of do a part two we'll do a follow-up uh probably in the next two to three months just kind of how everything is going um any not necessarily any improvements but kind of initiatives y'all have taken upon or maybe personnel have and, and what that process has looked like so currently where you stand and i know we all had a, conversa a conversation when we first sat down and we said okay we're here for onboarding how do you see this going, right? You remember that conversation. Mm -hmm. But moving forward, um, what are we two two months in from uh, from launch? Um, mm -hmm. Let's yep. say just about. So about two months in, what? Where do you see just the change that's happened in two months? Where do you see one? Do you see people falling off in one month and going, okay, this was cool for the first three months? Do you see this continuing on? Do you see? this process driving change, driving potential policy, potential uh, perspectives to what your shift schedule looks like? I mean, what, where do you see this going, let's say in this next six months and potentially the next year, two years, three years? Yeah. So a couple things I talked about with both the deputy chief and the safety captain um, and some folks at some of the busier stations actually are just throwing a few suggestions out possibly TDYing for a couple years through busy stations. So like station eight wouldn't have people uh, stationed there for 10 years. Like we do have a few masters who have been there for that long. Station eight's just, it's brutal. It's just brutal. Six is, you know, not so much better, but we have multiple pieces. You can hide on the ladder rather than always being on the engine or the medic. Um, so they talked about TDYing through station eight, station nine. Um, and that's something that would be pretty easy 
because we move people around anyway. We shuffle people around. So you just get on a list, you know, eight and five, like switch and then nine and four switch or whatever, four and five are, are really slow stations. Um, and then, so that's one thing. Um, we have talked a lot, but it's like super hot controversial topic about the schedule. And I didn't say the schedule in this, but we work, is it called a modified Detroit? I don't know. It's, we I call it a some... Yeah, I think it's a, a modified Kelly, but you don't have, or you kind of half the Kelly day or that, we or don't you don't Kelly do the Kelly day. The Kelly yep, day. We just get, um, we get paid for it. We get paid every check for like half a Kelly day or something like that. So, and and I, I plan on putting it within the description for the podcast okay. itself, just for quick reference for people. Yeah. But um, so for, uh, I guess, descriptive purposes being a three, four, so it's on 24. So. On- so you go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's your schedule. You go ahead. I've done it so many times. So we work, for instance, if it starts on a Monday, we work Monday, Wednesday, Friday and have four days off. And then Wednesday, Friday, Sunday and have four days off. Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, four days off. And it rotates like that forever. Um, so you end up working three Mondays in a row. Then you end up working three Wednesdays in a row and then three Fridays in a row like that. Um, you always have a four day break after your cycle's over the cycle ends up taking a total of five days. So you have one day in between twice. And what we've noticed so far, this is kind of an aside, I'm sure we'll get to it again later, but it rather than accumulating strain on day one and recovering on your day off, you accumulate strain for five days as you go work off, work off, work. And then you recover for four days. Yeah, it's only 24. 24 In in between a 24. Correct. You run your next 24. um, And it's not enough. Right. And and so I know we're tying into kind of predictions down the road, but kind of tie in potential changes and what, say, switch on, uh, what apparatus, what piece you're on, you know, when you're on the medic and so forth. Do you feel like this is going to be a drive to policy of of that transition say day one then you're 24 off then you're 24 your second 24 do you feel a transition a different transition is going to be in place do you feel like it's going to shift uh, change the shift schedule overall like where do you yeah well especially with some of the research i did and talking to you guys and reading some of the other like stuff mostly again from out west um the really i think it, my opinion, but I'm not alone, is 4896 is the only way. Because every time you go to work, you get four days off. And I think that's what they've shown repeatedly, uh, reliably, they've shown four days is what it takes to recover, kind of regardless of how long you work. Um, we're very short staffed right now. I know that's kind of a problem in the service in general, but definitely here. And we work a lot of overtime. So I know that you guys were excited to see 72 hour shifts and 96 hour shifts and uh, the stuff that we do um, and in kind of how you accumulate strain and then how you accumulate recovery on those breaks. But I think that it's talked about, it's in the in the ether, will we go to a 4896? Um, I think we should, but it's not up to a vote. You know, it's not my decision. No. Um, so that's something I also know that from a safety standpoint with the safety captain, we will be pushing for something like we jokingly call them safety naps, but I think that that's real. I think we really will say if you're on medic eight, as soon as you get to work, if you want to sleep, you can. Um, and I don't know if eventually they'll get to the point where they put a truck out of service for half an hour to work out or not. I'm not sure because that is part of the maintaining balance you know exercise a little bit relax a little bit get to sleep um get to eat even but i think that the culture has to change too from the sleep when you're dead to the take care of your personnel while you can before they get so burnt out that they leave yeah yeah and so that you know that ties into where I'm, uh, we're going to have upcoming episodes. I have a couple of personnel that want to join in talking about self-care and time, which is mm-hmm. a, 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 this crazy oh, idea, right? Like self-care. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, so being <laughs> able to implement that into your day-to-day life. So we have some upcoming podcast episodes that are going to tie that in. Um, I'll probably pull you in for one of those episodes and we'll talk about application yeah. of, of different interventions and solutions 
Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting seeing the ongoing process, right? This is a, a full process through this, this, uh, this year and, and kind of how that evolves with, um, not just adherence, not just personnel continuously, you know, implementing and, and using the devices, but to their benefit and to the, just the benefit of those around them, right. Taking care of themselves, but then finding resources and educating those around them. So, uh, think of this as as part one. This is kind of the initial uh, what what the project entails, kind of what we're looking at. And then here in a couple months, we'll uh, catch up with you and figure out what's going on, what has changed since uh, this point, you know, moving forward. And then kind of your expectations from, let's say, midpoint. Let's say we do another one midpoint uh, a couple months from now. And then we go, OK, this is the first half. Where do you see this next half? of at least this initial project uh, going. So I'm excited to see For the sure. evolution. I'm excited to see the potential solutions and implementation of, of intervention. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. And I appreciate you jumping on here um, and, and, and being able to share what you're doing uh, out at your department. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, for all the things you guys do in the background. It's been really a pleasure. So I'm excited to see where it goes to and talk about it again. Thank you. Those that are listening, uh, feel free in in coming time, we're going to have podcast episodes talking about anything from self-care to intentional training to programming, uh, a couple of different perspectives, right, of, of being able to apply what you know, or maybe gathering, gaining a thing or two about how to train for the profession, how to train intentionally uh, for the job task. So a couple of things coming out, we're also bringing out a, which sharing with you live on here is we're bringing a, a community, right? We're going to start a community where uh, tactical operators can join in. You'll be able to log in through the website. You'll be able to not only connect, but we'll be able to post research. We'll post training tips, advice. We'll post demonstration videos. We'll have a hub of being able to provide resources for you guys. So that's coming in, uh, I would say, the next two weeks, uh, being able to provide that community to you. So uh, until then, until the next uh, podcast episode, feel free to reach out just like with Kathleen Hall. If you look at the contact form, feel free to complete the contact form and click the button that says submit and then we'll be reaching back out to you.